Welcome back to Untaming Masculinity, the podcast where we tackle issues relevant to men and their journeys to reclaim their masculinity. I'm Dan, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host and good friend, Brad. What's the word today, buddy? Man, today is a day. I am fired up. had some interesting interactions at work, which was fun. You know, I had some interesting conversations with you earlier today. Had, you know, pretty fired up conversation after jujitsu. I've had a lot of fired up conversations, so I'm I'm worked up, man. I'm I'm good to go. All wired. Nice. Wired. How you doing? Yeah. Yeah, it's been a good day. It's uh, you know, got a couple of things going on, both work and personal that are uh that are promising here. And uh yeah, I'm in a good mood, man. Yeah. To not get into too many of those things on a detail level, but it came, you know, the idea of a topic for a show came up and the idea was building your bench. So when I say building your bench, what does that mean to you? You think of bench and you think of sports, right? Your first your first inclination is to go to sports, to baseball, for example, to hockey, to basketball, hell to the NFL. Every single one of those sports has has a bench, right? Like you've got a something happens, somebody needs to get subbed out, somebody gets injured, you gotta bring somebody in. So what we as human beings, as men, need to have a bench, need to have something at our disposal, ready to rock and roll when when the call comes. Yep. I think about anybody on a bench, right? As anybody who's ever played sports in any capacity knows, bench warmers, they need to stay ready. They need to be ready to rock and roll. So I don't know. You've, you've obviously got a direction you want to go with this. So what, what are you thinking? Yeah, I just I wanted to see where your, your mind was at when I said that that term, but that's exactly what I was thinking. I was thinking about the the fact that there, there's a couple different reasons to build your bench, and they're all obviously important. But the first is exactly what you talked about, right? Is if you've got one of your one of your guys goes down, whether you're a leader at work, you're a coach on a team, you're you're leading a group of men, whatever it is, if one of your guys goes down, you need to replace that skill set. So I look at it from I'm going to use some work examples right now, but I've got a team. I try to cross train all of my guys so that if one skill set, one guy with one skill set is sick for the day, I've got that skill set backed up. I've got a, I've got a bench player who can come in and kind of fill that, fill that void. Likewise, you can also build your bench from a recruitment perspective. So I may not be particularly hiring someone, but I like to always keep in touch with people who are potential employees because you never know when that opening is going to come up and I need to pounce on it because I work in an industry where if I lose somebody, you know, if I have turnover and somebody decides to leave, my output, which is directly related to the sales of the company, is immediately diminished because I just physically don't have that person on the line. So I, I need to keep in touch with a couple of key people and see where they're at and figure out if they're, they're willing to change jobs, that kind of thing, so that they can come on immediately. And then the other way that I'm also looking at filling out my bench is from a, a vertical level. So I obviously have career aspirations. So I'm looking at it from a perspective of how do I get myself to the point where I can be promoted? Well, I have to backfill everything below me. So who behind me or below me or who works for me can do the work that I do. And if they can't, I need to be training them to be doing that work. So I'm, I'm yeah. consciously working on that as well. So when you say build your bench, I'm, I'm looking at it from a few different aspects, but they all tie into the fact that whatever wherever you're leading in life, you need to have backup plans. This kind of draws me back to some of the conversation we had with with Steve Baumgartner a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. You know, from a career perspective, 
you know, th- I believe I've talked about this on a previous episode at some point. I know I've talked about this with you, but when we were in Maine in 2021, we were touring the Origin facility. There's one thing that I'd heard of 20 times in my life, but when it was said that day, it's stuck with me ever since. And it was make yourself replaceable. Right? Yeah. If you if you can't make yourself replaceable, you can't progress in advance. And by therefore, by making yourself replaceable, you are building your bench in a sense. Like one of the first things I learned when I transitioned into my management role, my boss, my senior director, sat me down. He's like, Brad, the only way you're going to be successful as a manager is if you learn how to delegate and learn how to teach the people on your team, the people that report to you, how to do the tasks that you're doing. So that you're, if you're out of the office, if you get promoted, if you leave, somebody else can step in. You're moving from being an individual contributor to a people manager. So as a result, a lot of those tasks that an individual contributor does need to be shucked away. They need to be given to somebody else. And I always took that and looked at that as an opportunity to skill up my team. Like that's something we should always constantly be doing is looking at the people around us. You know, this is very easy to say in a professional setting or in a men's group setting, um, but it applies in so many areas of our lives that we should be leveling up the folks around us so that we in turn can grow and progress and move up and advance while also giving them opportunities to learn, grow and advance. We're, we're not only helping ourselves, we're also helping them. Yeah. It's, it's that whole concept of, you know, a, a rising tide pulls all ships kind of thing yeah. where, um, if you're mentoring and pulling the guys along behind you, then you're able to rise yourself. So you could look at it like it's a selfish thing, but it's really not in my opinion, because you first have to buoy those guys up first before you can rise. You know, and, and I look at it, you know, it's very easy to talk about this, this topic in terms of career. So I look at it from my career in the past and for years and years, I worked for the same manager and we collectively progressed through multiple roles because he would get into a role. I would learn what he did and be able to do it. And at the same time, unbeknownst to me, he was doing the same thing with his boss. And it was just this ladder effect where we just kind of kept going up. I would backfill him. He would get a promotion. I would backfill him. He would get a promotion. I would backfill him. And we were just moving up the ladder. But it's that effect serves so many purposes in terms of personal growth and in terms of leadership. If you are able to grow grow people and improve their capabilities, that is one of the strongest parts of leadership, in my opinion, because you can sit there and get somebody to do something. I can sit there all day long and get my guys to build the, the product that we build. But if I can't teach them how to improve themselves and better themselves, then I'm not really a leader. I'm just managing the work. And there's a big difference between management and leadership, in my opinion. Man, no, that's, that's really, really well put. That does lead to a question, though that I think many guys will have, and I've had at various points in the past, and I really want to see your thoughts on this. What if you look at your bench? What if you look at the the guys that report to you, look at the guys underneath you, look at the guys that you surround yourself with, and there isn't, mm-hmm. like, they're not, that bench material is not great. Right? Like, mm-hmm. You're looking at the scrub who you'd be a little hesitant to put in that position, or you might not have anybody to put in that position. What do you do? How do you handle that? So, I'm actually going through that right now. I have... You know, I I run a production floor. I think I've mentioned this before. And for the most part, the guys that work for me are assembly workers and quality control inspectors. Um, great guys, really good at what they do. None of them are really going to be 
in the you know the corporate leadership type roles in the future. It's just not it's not a it's not something that most of them want, and b it's it's not what their skill set is. So what I've done is I've started to look outside. I've been working with other people in other departments. I've been talking to some of the engineers. I've been I even pulled one of the one of the young guys who works in the warehouse and is actually putting himself just finished putting himself through college. I pulled him in as a uh, as somebody under me. He's helping with like scheduling and stuff like that. And I'm slowly starting to teach him more and more of what I do with the goal of him being able to replace me as I take on more and more senior or, or higher level uh, uh, tasks. And he can eventually be running the floor, you know, start to finish. But the idea there is if it's not in your current bench, then you've got to bring it in somehow, whether that means hiring somebody, whether that means finding somebody on the outside, having tryouts, whatever it is, you got to bring somebody in and, and develop them. Yeah. I love that you went in that direction. You've got to be able to take different angles, think outside the box, do things differently. Right? Like it's really easy to like, I actually want to, we're going through a very similar scenario at work. So I manage a pretty small team. But we, we do a lot of very important things at my company. We handle the bug process for validating bugs, prioritizing bugs. This is across our entire business. We cover huge clients. So my, my team has a pretty critical role in the business. Um, of the four people on my team, one of them is going on paternity leave for six weeks. And one is going on maternity leave for four and a half months. Both of their babies are due around the same time. So Oof. that cuts my team in half. Another individual... Long story short, I'm not going to get into it now. Booked plane tickets before requesting a month off with me. <laughs> that happens to coincide just before both of those two go out. So I allowed it to happen. It's fine. The vacation's going to happen. He's traveling internationally, but I'm making him work for at least part of his trip. But where I'm going with this is all of a sudden we've got a gap where we're going to be a very, we're already a pretty tight team. You know, we run, we run a tight ship. We're going to be pretty strapped for a decently prolonged period of time. So the question became, who can we promote? So we looked down the bench at our, our at our tier ones, which is normally our recruiting pool. There were not any obvious candidates that rose to the bubble to the top. They just weren't. Between laziness, performance issues, lacking some technical acumen that we needed, there really wasn't any natural fit. But one, the... The individual on my team who's going on maternity leave, she's an absolute rock star. She did analysis of everybody, made it pros and cons, thought outside the box, looked at different teams, and identified somebody that we would have never initially thought of and listed all the reasons why it would work, why this person would be a good fit, demonstrated the person would be interested in a position like that, and we can put a plan into motion that was never necessarily on the table to begin with when I would have first looked at the bench and thought, oh, these are dire straits, this is a hopeless endeavor. Right. We now have something simply due to thinking outside of the box and being willing to push pack past those preconceived notions that we all have that here's what we have to work with and that's all that we have to work with. Because quite frankly, that's not the case. That's interesting. So your situation is based on the fact that you're losing two to three employees for a limited amount of time, but their, their plan is to come back. Their plan is to come back, but at the same time, we're in a position where not only do we want to backfill them for that period of time, but we're also expanding the team. Okay, so it's that's what I was going to get at is what do you do with that person, right? Yeah. Our goal is to scale up and grow. Like Our team is supposed to grow exponentially over the next 12 months, but right now that bench is bare. So yeah. getting the right person in was initially seen to be a, a challenge. Yeah. But by simply 
looking at it from a different angle, you know, thinking outside the box, being creative, you know, something was identified that we're going to execute on, which is pretty cool. Have you ever run into a situation where you're, you're working diligently to backfill roles and to, to train people and to get them ready to roll into a situation? And then the opportunities just are not presenting themselves. And the person you've been training is getting antsy for, for that, for that next step. Yeah. That's a battle. Like you deal with that, you know, obviously we're actually kind of dealing with it to an extent right now in that we have, so I manage a North America and APAC team. We also have a a team that's over in EMEA and we're, we're grooming somebody to essentially be my equivalent, if you will, in EMEA. That team at present, due to a lot of our client work from that region shifting from that region to other regions, doesn't necessarily have the bandwidth. So somebody who's being, who's been in a lot of ways groomed and prepared for a role might not have that role right in front of them. Mm-hmm. So that's a balance, right? That, that's a challenge in that you've been working and we've been preparing you for this, what we thought was inevitable promotion that all of a sudden may not be there. So the, the fact of the matter is, we run the risk in business of losing that sort of talent. Somebody that we prepared for that, they see a dead end. They might think, okay, I'm out. There's no position to grow. So we're, what we're trying to do is find a role for this individual that they could naturally find themselves in, like some sort of progression, some sort of lateral move that would obviously come with a corresponding pay bump and a new title. Something that while it might not be the promotion that they were expecting is a way of showing that they're val- like that they are valued. Very critical part of the bench, if you will, to keep them with the company. I mean, that, that's really what matters is what can we do so that we don't lose this individual simply because what we thought was there no longer is coming back to this idea of thinking outside the box. How can we think outside the box? How can we do something atypical or abnormal to positively continue moving forward? And it's a really important point that you made there is finding a way to keep that person because of the effort that you've put in. So you, I look at it as kind of like a, a financial situation. You've made a lot of deposits and you want to get a return on your investment. You can't just let it walk away. So you've got to find a way to to make that that investment work for you, whether it's in the role that you intended for them or something else. And it's something that I'm struggling with right now with a couple of situations, both for myself and with with other people. And it's uh, it's taken a little bit of creative troubleshooting to to kind of figure out how to get around those hurdles Um, but the worst thing that can happen is you don't invest in somebody because you're afraid of this happening and then you know dilemmas occur where you've got vacancies you've you've got somebody leaving you've got whatever and you don't have a backup plan so i i almost look at it as i would rather make the investment and on the rare occasion lose the investment than not make it and have to struggle to find find my replacements yeah Exactly. So this, I'm going to dovetail a little bit. So I have a question for you. Obviously, we've sure. been taking, we've been talking very professionally about this, right? But, but there is, there are situations where you need to have a bench in your personal life. How do you think some of this applies to, to your personal life? That's an interesting question. You know, my thought immediately goes to my kids, to be honest with you. Yeah. Cause I look at it from perspective of, I, I don't know who says, I, I think it's, uh, Brian Mickler over at Order Man, he says it, but you know, your job as a dad is to make yourself disposable or yeah. replaceable. Replaceable is the word he uses, right? My job in creating my bench at, at home is teaching my kids how to do 
all the stuff they need to do to be adults so that I'm replaceable and they're promotable into adulthood. It's a, it's a little bit of a stretch, but it's that, that concept is there, you know, and that same, that same value add is there where I can teach them all this stuff and whether they move out at 18 or they move out at 24, they've got that skill set and they're ready to move into that next role. But on a personal level, I mean, I guess you could look at it from a group of friends and, and how they serve, you know, serve you and serve each other and, and how you depend on certain people. But it's not really like a, a promotion or a tiered system in that sense. So it's, it's a little bit different. Yeah, there's no, there's no right or wrong answer. I just wanted to see what you thought because it's kind of an interesting, it's an interesting dynamic, right? I was, I was immediately drawn to this idea of like, we've talked so much about building a pack or a tribe. And building a bench isn't necessarily making sure that these guys are promotable, but identifying individuals that are going to help you continue to level up in life and you can do the same for them. Yeah. It's pretty great. Right. You know, we've, we hammer that home, find men around you that will make you a better man. Like you have to do that. If you want to be successful as a man, surround yourself with like-minded men who are on that same trajectory. Well, it's also about building skill sets within your group. You think about like a group of guys who goes camping. If there's only one guy that can cook, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and that guy gets hurt or sick or can't go on the trip or whatever, then then that group is is a shit out of luck. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a it's a juvenile example, but it 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 makes that it, it holds true. You know, I think about I'll go back to to high school football. I was a long snapper for for when we we had to punt on fourth down. I got hurt one game and couldn't long snap like in the middle of the game. My poor team had to go for it on fourth down every every series because we didn't have a, didn't have a second string <laughs> we didn't have a second long string snapper. long snapper we, we solved that problem the next week but if you don't have a backup for important roles regardless of of what the group dynamic is you're bound for failure and that's really where building your bench works right so you know back to my back to my my group of guys who goes camping you know if you're on a backpack trip you want at least two guys who can navigate you want at least two guys who are skilled at first aid you want at least two guys who can manage the food maybe two guys who are good with communication whatever that is and and the same guy can be you know multiple points there but you want to avoid points of failure you need redundancies and yeah in life we're gonna fail sometimes before we realize that we need those redundancies there was a huge incident at work two weeks ago that i can't disclose details of or i might be fired but Long story short, <laughs> there's a massive failure at work because redundancies were never put in place. And those redundancies were never discovered until the failure happened. And the same can be said for our lives. You know, you go on a backpacking trip, you you realize when you're out there for 36 hours, you don't know anybody who knows first aid and somebody gets bitten by a rattlesnake or they break their ankle or something. You know, you, that's, a, that's a situation that, while horrible, could be managed if somebody knows yep. first aid, if nobody does. Could potentially be a life or death situation. Yeah, and you think about you know the the importance of redundancies. I've got one of the women I work with. Her husband is a conductor on the Long Island Railroad, which is a commuter rail from the city out to the island. And part of their test to be a full fledged conductor is they have to be able to draw a map of the entire railroad from Penn Station all the way out to the island and mark every switch, every signal, every you know. I don't even know all the different terms, but they have to, from memory, be able to draw that map and tell you what each one of those components is, what it does, and how it operates. They'll never have to do that in real life, but it instills in them the redundancy to have that kind of 
map internalized in their brain so that if everything goes down, they can still operate and still still maneuver and still navigate through the process to at least get the trains into a safe location. So it's it's that concept of redundancy. We're talking about it in people, but you know, redundancy in general is a game plan that you should be working on. Yeah, exactly. You know, you think coming back to sports, right? I mean, you think about building a bench that the whole concept is based in sports. What happens when your quarterback gets hurt, your second string quarterback gets hurt, you don't have a third string quarterback. That's where you find yourself like the Denver Broncos in what was it, twenty twenty one, where they were playing like their third string wide receiver or quarterback? The Niners this year. <laughs> or the Niners this year. Yeah. Like those things happen. And building a bench requires effort. It, it requires recognizing it requires recognizing when those needs are when when they're there. But at the same time, it, it requires a certain level of humility that when you fail, rather than throwing your hands up in the air and giving up or getting pissed off or throwing a fit, you know, t- looking at that, analyzing the situation and saying, you know what? We didn't have that in place. I'm going to make sure that happens next time. I'm going to make sure that when this same event arises in the future, we are prepared. Because and if you're, yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, and if you're diligent about building that bench, you could end up with, you never know when you're going to walk into that next Tom Brady scenario where, where your starter, your stud goes down and your backup is actually even a better solution. You're a Patriots Sorry. guy. So you recognize I could, this. I could not throw the, 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 the Tom Brady reference into a, a bench conversation, but. Here's here's the thing people forget about though. Like Tom Brady's like the starting quarterback for the Patriots was Drew Bledsoe. He was the number one overall pick. He was a pro yeah. bowler. It's not like he sucked. Oh, he was good. <laughs> he was pretty good. But to that point, you know, when it comes to building your bench, I loved how you reference your kids. Like I really do love that. In that you look at what you're trying to do, what you're trying to strive for as a man, it's your legacy. Your legacy is carried on through your lineage, through your kids. So at the same time, when we're talking about professional situations and personal situations and jobs and men's groups and all these things, you know, coming back full circle to what you said earlier, this applies in every asset of, aspect of your life. Absolutely. Like, make your kids, teach your kids, show your kids the kind of men and women that they're supposed to be, and your legacy will carry on. Well, I think it comes down to how closely related building a bench and succession planning are. Yeah. Right. So the, the kids thing is really, and if you want to get down to, to nitty gritty, it's probably more succession planning than it is building a bench, but they're very much one and the same. Yeah. You know, you look at a sports team, right? Eventually that starter is going to get old and worn out and you're going to need to go on to the, the second option. So having that bench built makes sense to have that guy just come in and, and replace the, the starter. You know, the same thing with, with work, you're either going to promote people out of positions or you're going to people are going to retire and you're going to need to fill those positions. It's better to have a bench than to have to go out to the, the wild west and, and just get somebody off the street. So succession planning and building a bench are very, very closely tied together. And when you talk about your kids, that's exactly what it is. It's a succession of your, your family lineage. It's a succession yeah. of your, your family values. And by building up their skills and making them quote unquote promotable to adulthood, you're ensuring the success there. I don't know, man. I don't have anything to add. That was a pretty good that's a pretty good way to wrap, man. I know this was a little bit of a shorter, quick and dirty episode, but No, it was good. Yeah. And, and you know, this topic was it was pretty uh pretty cut and dry and pretty straightforward, but I think it's important to talk about because having those backups, having that bench, having that that succession planning that, you know, we got to in the end, it's really important in multiple facets of life. And I don't think enough guys are thinking about it and 
moreover acting on it, building out a plan, building out a, 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 a plan of action in order to carry it out. You know, I would encourage guys to take a look at the areas in the life where they lead, at, whether it's at home, at work, in a men's group, at church, wherever it is, and start thinking about the roles in that group, who can cover those roles, and invariably, who's going to take your place when you move out of that role, whether you move up or you move out, because it's your job as the leader to be developing those people. You don't necessarily have to do the, the development work. But it's your job to be putting those plans in place and ensuring that the development happens. Really well put. All right. Well, fellas, thanks for listening again. You know, it was a fun episode. I hope you guys are checking us out at untamingmasculinity.com. You can find all our show notes there, as well as links to our social media. Our social media, especially our Instagram, has been doing pretty well lately. So let's keep that going. If you found value here, please give us a rating or review on your podcast player. That helps us spread the word to other men more than you know. The, the rating and the review is really what helps the combination. And finally, make sure you're coming back next week for some more great content. Until then, we will leave you with just one question. What are you doing to untame your masculinity?